0: It was just the other day. Welcome back to another episode of the Jones Chronicles. I'm your host, Christina. It has been a very snowy week in Ohio. Only one day did the school system want to make me a happy person and cancel school. I must say two other days this week, I made that executive decision myself, Monday and Friday. (laughs) Coincidentally, because I simply was not going to go out on unplowed streets, not doing it, not with all of the crazy traffic that, unfortunately, because school and work starts at the same time, it's very compounded on the roads, particularly on the road that I'm off of. So other than that, I was able to finally make my way to my, uh, (laughs) to my PCP. It's like, look, I need I need an increase on on this effect, because it's wearing off. No, I've had a lack of sunlight a lot uh, just due to the weather in Ohio and how it's been the last two or three months. And certainly winter in itself is a time where anxiety can increase and thus it is not out of sync to those who take medications such as myself. To have to adjust said medications to to uh, to boost the serotonin once again because it can very much fizzle and it is noteworthy. I didn't get no sleep because of y'all! Y'all not gonna get no sleep cause of me! Today while I was in Walmart, a place that I find myself in every other Saturday, <laughs> there's these this is new thing going around. Maybe it's only new because I never ran into it before, but a couple of people of color were going around trying to preach the gospel in the in the aisles of Walmart, and one man flagged me down. He's like, hey, sister, you listen to the gospel? Nope. Of course, that should have been the end of the inquiry, but because unfortunately, Christian people don't lo- like to leave shit alone. He follows me into the other aisle I'm just trying to find some fabric softener. And he says, well, maybe because you haven't listened to my gospel. Get the fuck out of my face with that shit. So very politely, I turn to him with a smile and I says, I'm firmly on the other side. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that on us. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. He didn't make himself a ghost after that point. (laughs) but four aisles down i'm approached by a couple a man and a woman and the woman's like hello miss have you heard of the gospel first and foremost don't give people money if they tell you that they're sending their blessings to you and shit because I watched that interaction because they got someone else and they were talking to them and going back and forth and talk about their struggles and it was like it was a minute at the pulpit and then they handed over their tithes and I'm like what the fuck is happening what the fuck is happening this should not be a thing in Walmart if I was anyone in Walmart if I was a manager I would have shut that shit down real quick because i don't think people should be inopportuned or harassed i don't even stop for those who was like who pays your bill don't talk to me i didn't make eye contact with you i'm trying to quickly shuffle past why do you feel the need to harass me if it looks like i'm slightly interested in what you're standing there to do which by now most people do know what you're standing there to do then that's the person you want to say hey otherwise leave people alone I don't want to be in here spending the money that I'm about to be spending. Why can't y'all be doing something in there that's giving me something that I need? You notice that religion always needs money, but it ain't trying to give you shit. You supposed to be giving me stuff. If the Lord's supposed to be hearing my prayers. Then it should be in my bank account. Better have my money. Funny observation from the downstairs neighbors they don't apparently want to buy blackout curtains because the way in which they block out the sunlight is by pulling putting pillows in the windows. That's some ghetto ass lazy shit too. They're Caucasian. That is really... <laughs> Not the way in which I would have even thought to address that issue. I mean, I would have thought of a blanket first, you know, a $5 throw blanket. Those are probably more effective than those four pillows that ain't blocking shit. And it's not even like they got them in one window. They got them in four. And then the one that they have where they shower. Now, that's the one I understand that you would put anything to protect yourself because you walk past, yeah, anyone and a mama can see. They can't see you clearly, but they can see you in that shower. Your reflection is there. Cause one day I went by and I was like, oh, that's disturbing. I would not like for people to possibly <laughs> be seeing my silhouette silhouette in the dark. Uh and to fix that problem, they put up a red, red blanket. Curtains that are blackout are fucking 15 to $20. Stop being so lazy. <laughs> because that's some lazy ass shit right there (laughs) not even respectable uh fix it type of thing it's just it's just stupid and lastly on a personal note i am working on i've noticed a trend and i immediately was like i'm gonna have to try i'm gonna have to take 60 days to make this a new habit so i will be needing my friends support to keep me on my toes to call me out if I do it but often I'm making rebuttals in my podcast to only a negative reaction so I'm always feeling as if I'm talking to the person that's presenting the dumb argument versus just simply talking from a place of what is or what I understand to be the truth and sometimes it can feel as if i'm talking down to instead of because anyone else listening they they're not they may not have that negative opinion so i'm just constantly on the on the uh, offense or is it defense one or the other instead defense definitely instead of simply being more a little inclusive in the way in which i present facts not as if someone shouldn't know it or i should present it as if it's just simply new information i'm working on myself is what i'm trying to say on how i present information and it doesn't need to always be addressing and it shouldn't only those negative commentators when most of you don't even know what those negative commentators are saying. I'm talking from a place of what I know versus <laughs> what may be common knowledge. That probably didn't make a lot of sense unless you have noticed the trend yourself. Or after I explained it, you might have noticed it and it might not have bothered you, but it bothers me. So I'm I'm trying to change that. As I believe growing as a person and being more self-aware of one's interactions, particularly with someone like me who really doesn't like people. (laughs) Just being transparent. I don't have a lot of patience as I once did. I do, but I don't. Uh, Ignorance bothers me more than people who are curious. And I need to stop thinking everyone's coming from a place or I know everyone's not coming from a place of ignorance, but I talk like that. Enough of me... Let's talk about Jeremy Renner, the actor who broke more than 30 bones when he was run over by a snowplow this month, uh, did reply on Instagram, quote, much love and appreciation to you all. Renner's 52. I didn't know he was 52 years old. He plays superhero Hawkeye in Marvel's Avengers and also starred in the Paramount crime thriller series, Mayor of Kingstown, which I was going to start watching, but then I heard news of the accident and I was a little reluctant. He says, quote, these 30 plus broken bones will men grow stronger, just like the love and bond with family and friends deepens. I'm glad that he's okay. And I laughed way too hard because I have that sense of humor. Christopher Jamal Evans when he was like, has anyone checked on the snow cat? I almost because I don't know that man like that. I almost responded with the gift of, uh, like it being set on fire or something like that. <laughs> but I was like, I'm not going to do this because <laughs> it feels insensitive and I don't know. Would appreciate that joke, <laughs> but I wanted to, I don't know them like that. Oh, but I thought it was funny. It was like, has anybody checked on the snow cat, I was dead. I was dead. Recent reports from the CDC, or the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, for those who don't know what the CDC stands for, state that the HIV AIDS rates in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Particularly in the downtown area, are as bad as some third world African countries. According to the Atlanta Daily World, the CDC estimates that one in fifty-one Georgians will be diagnosed with HIV in their lifetime. Explain to me. Explain to me. So I think we're gonna move to Rhode Island. I think that's uh that's where we're selling right now. I was considering atlanta but considering my chances of catching hiv <laughs> so high. shabby be be careful out there in the streets be careful out there in the streets i know everyone would love to propagate the idea of wear condoms you gotta wear condoms but anyone will tell you who's worn a condom or been involved in condom sex it's not the same it's not it's not It's not. And when you're with a solid partner, you do. You expect that they are being monogamous like you. And unfortunately, that may not be the case. Our cynical minds know. So that's sad. You're going to be taking those necessary risks (laughs) or unnecessary. You just want to strap it up all the time. I put out a poll on Twitter to see if anyone else has issues maintaining eye contact and actually got a lot of response. 73% say that they do. Eye contact anxiety refers to the discomfort a person feels when looking at someone directly in the eyes. I noticed this when I was talking to my doctor, like no matter how much, and he had some gorgeous blue eyes. I was like, damn, my BCP kind of fine. He got these deep ocean blue eyes, and he's got bald head, and he's mm mm mm. mm. He always loves the fist bump. Anyhow, <laughs> coming out <laughs> of my sexual desire to hump my doctor, uh, a person with eye contact anxiety may avoid making eye contact when talking to someone. If they do make eye contact, they may feel like they are being judged or scrutinized. Looking someone in the eye while speaking can feel uncomfortable for those without a lot of practice making conversation or who tend to prefer not being in the spotlight. I think that's mine. And I think I am being judged and scrutinized. (laughs) Depends on who I'm talking to. I do not like making continued eye contact. It just feels weird. And every time I have someone who's just like staring me down, it's like, why are you staring at me? (laughs) But I'm so glad I'm not alone in this. And it makes me feel as if someone thinks I'm untruthful or something because I'm so shifty. So yeah, having anxiety and (laughs) eye contact anxiety is not great. (laughs) However, it is an important social skill. It can affect how you are perceived by others, both in personal and professional relationships. In fact, researchers have uncovered numerous benefits of maintaining eye contact during a conversation, including... One, people will be more likely to remember your face. Two, people will be more likely to remember what you said long after the conversation has ended. Three, people are more likely to believe what you're saying. See, (laughs) people think I'm lying because I'm not looking at them. People will perceive you as more confident and intelligent. And lastly, people will be better able to read and mirror other nonverbal cues. I will say that last is very important, though, because we're actually having a debate in my current huddles at work, because a lot of people are feeling like they're being overtalked or they don't get a chance to jump in the conversation. That says, well, what do you expect when you have your camera off? No one's going to see your nonverbal cues. And for a lot of people, at least I can speak for myself, I need to be able to see those verbal cues to know if you're done talking or not. I mean, if you want to talk for like, usually I make my point in one Here's my point, and the period. That's when the conversation ends. But a lot of people will start a, a sentence and then put a comma after that. And then another person will jump in, and then they expected everyone to know that there was a comma after the remark instead of a period. And maybe if they had a camera on, I could see the desire for you to say more. And, and I, I point that out all the time because I'm very good at reading nonverbal cues better than I am. <laughs> uh of just trying to figure out what you're doing is i'll see people who have a look on their face and i'll say hey you you okay today or hey it looks like caleb's got something to say if you are talking to someone one-on-one or looking at people within a group choose a spot directly between or slightly above the listener's eyes if this doesn't feel comfortable try letting your eyes go slightly out of focus which has the added benefit of softening and relaxing your gaze. These are tips for how you can maintain eye contact and not it not feel weird. You can and should always look away occasionally. Staring too intensely can make people uncomfortable. Yes. 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 I see. My ex was like that, but he was a narcissistic manipulator, so that was his way of intimidation. <laughs> Tips for making eye contact. Establish eye contact at the start. Uh, make contact before you start talking to someone. Use the 50 to seventy rule. maintain eye contact fifty percent of the time when speaking and seventy percent of the time when listening. Look for four to seven, four to five seconds. Hold eye contact for about four to five seconds at a time or about as much time as it takes you to register the color of their eyes. When you break eye contact, glance at the side before resuming your gaze. When you look away, do it slowly. Looking away too quickly, darting your eyes can make you appear nervous or shy. Guilty. Rather than looking away or looking down, as this shows a lack of confidence, you can also look at another spot on their face. Imagine an inverted triangle connecting their eyes and mouth. Every five seconds, rotate which which point of the triangle you are looking at measure a gesture break your gaze to make a gesture or to nod as this appears more natural than looking away because you've grown uncomfortable with the amount of eye contact and lastly look near the eyes if looking someone directly in the eyes is too stressful instead look at a spot on their nose mouth or chin kind of similar to the previous tips So if you are someone who struggles making eye contact, which it feels as if a lot of you are, hopefully those are tips that can help us out in the future so that we don't appear the ones to be the weirdos. I didn't know there was a group that identified themselves in an actual pronoun that they put in the the dictionary. I used to call them fuckboys. They're usually always in the YouTube comments making the most uh sexist racist and all all over just horrible commentary they like to call themselves incels now they probably wouldn't refer to themselves as fuckboys in the previous life but that's exactly who they are they are a member of a group of people on the internet who are unable to find sexual partners despite wanting them and who express hate towards people whom they blame for this. The word incel is short for involuntary celibate. <laughs> are you serious? Incels obsess over their own un- unattractiveness. Some of y'all is fat and ugly and unattractive, but that is okay. Just be who you are more examples incels place the blame on women for their misery shocker there basically incels cannot get laid and they hate anyone who can Incels support groups can teach us a lot about men and mental health <laughs> hey at the truth um you also have to notice that some of these incels are people not that just can't Because there's always the you you can find someone and everyone can find someone. But if you are unabashedly a despicable and disgusting person (laughs) and you refuse to do anything to change who you are because you don't think anything is wrong with you, then you are more of a member of an incel group. And not only that, you know, you want women who don't want you versus taking women who might actually deal with your bullshit. That's another huge trait. It's not so much of, Oh, no one will want me. The ones I truly won't want, don't want me. And unfortunately this all came about my knowledge due to a recent crime by an incel who went out on a mass killing street, hit killing spree and killed uh quite a lot of females and then himself of course himself why can't you just skip the other part of making other people suffer and just kill yourself saying saves a lot of bullets and lives (laughs) speaking of crazy criminals let's talk about Pedro Lopez he's been on my list for a couple of weeks now we're finally going to discuss one of the most heinous serial killers that came from a very fucked up Placed himself. I never heard of until I listened to the Casual Criminals, where they uh, had an episode called Pedro Lopez Monster of the Andes. The link will be below, in which you can listen to the story in its entirety. I will give you some of the the uh, the base facts of the case. Pedro Alonso Lopez was born in or on october 8th 1948 in the tiny mountain village of santa isabel colombia pedro lopez's father madardo reyes was a member of the conservative faction and had been killed three months before pedro was born pedro was the seventh child of a family of 13 children raised by a single mother benilda lopez de castaneda Pedro Lopez, meanwhile, alleged that his mother was physically abusive to the extreme, even going so far as to say that she was, quote, sick in the head. That is not the way to punish your child or your children. She punished me with such violence, end quote. And there is more details to exactly what she did to him that involves way more than being struck naked within extension cord yes that was my childhood I did not murder anyone meanwhile the Lopez family was mired in poverty and Benilda paid for what little they had by working as a prostitute when she fell pregnant she merely had the baby and the already poor family just got larger as a child Pedro witnessed dozens of men coming to their apartment and using his mother in this way and frequently these men would become violent and hit her A connection was being forged at a very tender age between sex and violence that would later contort Pedro's own feelings of arousal, his attitudes towards women, and promote a form of sexual sadism. Regardless of the true version of events that led him there, because there is some, you know, it's all coming from one person's commentary. Now homeless eight-year-old Pedro slept in the streets, gutters, alleyways, and abandoned buildings of El Espino, Espina, Espinal. There we go. Pedro Lopez was not on the streets for more than a few weeks before he was approached by a concerned man who invited the child to his house for a hot meal and a bed to sleep in for the night. Pedro accepted the man's kind offer and he was taken to an abandoned warehouse where the stranger forcibly sodomized him before turning him back out on the streets. Hey, bruh. Oh my God. Unfortunately, looking at other stories coming out from the same region of the country, this doesn't seem to not be, uh, untypical. It's probably not the right word, but it, it, it sounds like something that most likely did happen. Typically he lived on the streets and turned to a life of crime in 1969, at the age of 21, Pedro Lopez's career as a car thief came to an end. He was caught by the police handling the stolen vehicle, arrested and given a two-year sentence in prison. This is also a verified story because in prison Pedro had only been locked up for two days, and he was beaten and gang raped by four other inmates. This enraged the now adult man, bringing back all sorts of traumatizing memories of his childhood. In response, Pedro spent the evening fashioning a Shiv out of a dull butter knife. The next day, in a blitz attack, he burst into each of the inmate cells while they were alone, and one by one, Pedro Lopez stabbed each of them repeatedly before they could defend themselves. Oh my, oh my, I am sorry. Pedro Lopez managed to kill three out of the four rapists with the fourth inmate surviving his attack in critical condition. Such was the state of Colombian prison system, though, that according to L- Lopez, the jail warden said, quote, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. End quote. And he probably was thinking, well, it's not like they didn't have it coming as we all were thinking like, hey, if you don't <laughs> step to it, don't expect the response to not be your the end of your life. In 1978, a number of young girls between the age of eight and 12 had gone missing from a local shanka or Chanka community, never to be found again. Pedro Lopez confessed to abducting, raping and murdering 110 young girls between the ages of eight and 12 in Ecuador between April, 1979 and March of 1980 that's fucked up in addition he admitted to killing 140 girls in colombia between the years 1973 and 1977 and a further 50 to 80 girls in peru during his brief stay in the country in 1978 making him one of the most prolific child murderers of all time i believe his reasoning for this is that his innocence was taken away so he took a great deal of sadist pleasure in taking away the innocence of these girls uh the police system unfortunately columbia well you know you get a lot of poverty a lot of children being popped out and not wanted so a lot of these children unfortunately were not missed in the manner that they should have been or followed up uh, with a police investigation in the manner that they clearly could have but this is what i mean by if you go into history the way in which we have treated our children and continue to do so is appalling appalling the world does not give a fuck about its children not in the way it should not in the way you expect it to do here's the crazy part for the abduction rape and murder of 57 to 110 girls in ecuador Pedro Lopez received the maximum sentence at the time of just 16 years. Well, I've done all I can do. <clears throat> Bullshit. Upon his release in early 1998, Lopez traveled to El Espanol to visit his mother, Benilda, who somehow is still alive. That was the last time anyone reported seeing Pedro Lopez ever again. While some would say he's out there in the world living life off the grid, it's more likely that all of the people that he uh, murdered, their families, pretty much uh, handled business on their own. Oh my, oh my, I have found you, nigga. Don't you run from me, little nigga. Woo, you know he did. And why wouldn't they? The law and the justice system clearly failed them. Yeah, of course, I'm pretty sure they probably had him somewhere for days too. I don't think it was a uh, <laughs> an end that was oh so uh, quick and simple. Let's take a swerve from, from uh, a sexual sadist that is never brought up in conversation. All we ever hear about is Ted Bundy or... Charles Manson who by the way committed no crimes I mean he did commit a crime but he never actually like murdered anyone just throwing that out there because th- th- I did have a friend that mentioned he's like yeah he killed poor four, four people It's like, no he didn't he told people to kill four people <laughs> but but he didn't do any of the killing himself coward that he is but we're not going to talk about uh, people that we're stain on human history. Let's talk about history with the black community and France. I know I started a series uh, for France part one and two. There's a lot to get through. So I decided and since I changed the format of the Jones Chronicles to just bring some of that information uh, we'll discuss here. We left off, I believe, at around the end of the 17th century. So from the 17th century into the 19th century, all the major European powers, Portugal, Spain, England, France, Scotland, Denmark, Sweden, and the Netherlands participated enthusiastically in the slave trade. However, even though the colonies supported lavish lifestyles in Europe, Europeans went to considerable lengths to disguise the extent to which buying and selling human beings was a lucrative enterprise as late as 1830 15 years after France formally abolished the slave trade it engaged more of the country's ships than did legitimate commerce despite efforts to conceal the french involvement the country remained directly and actively involved in and benefited benefited from the buying and selling of people of African descent. While European cities such as Paris, London, and Madrid were held as bastions of cosmopolitanism, I said that wrong, they were in a technical sense and achieved that cosmopolitan status partially via riches reaped from their slave colonies. They were in fact also imperial cities. This distinction is important since notions of cosmopolita—I can say cosmopolitan, but I cannot say cosmopolitanism. That just feels weird. Can conceal a multitude of sins that cannot be hidden behind the imperial or colonial label. In short, presenting oneself as merely cosmopolitan had long-standing cultural repercussions as a consequence of the ongoing attempts to prevent the practice of slavery from touching and thereby tarnishing France proper. The French could minimize their active participation in the slave trade. In the 18th century, metropolitan France had a tiny non-white population, about 3,000 people out of a population of more than 25 million as of 1777. However, the French colonies, particularly Martinique, Uh, Saint Domingo uh, is it Saint Domingo or Saint Dominique you'll have to let me know and other Caribbean possessions that had extensive sugar and coffee plantations had substantial numbers of people of color however I would love to say that sugar I love to say that sugar was the first cocaine of its day it's the first true drug that was uh far more labor-intensive than say heroin, opium, even gin. However, they were more than mere curiosities or aesthetic fodder and as this book demonstrates, the literary and visual depictions of black women gave rise to cultural discourses about Frenchness that shaped the country's post-revolutionary national identity. Black women helped France's white men And women fantasize about their black colonies and often served as substitutes for making sense of white bodies, quote, behaving badly. Highly negative discourse regarding black slaves appeared in some of the earliest 17th century French missionary accounts. In the late 17th and early 18th centuries, a second wave of anxiety emerged around racial mixing in the colonies, something that was very prolific. In metropolitan France, a flurry of legislation attempted to calm fears of racial inundation or inundation and contamination. Existing representations of black women in the colonies were subsequently appropriated, deployed, recycled, and repurposed, circulating more widely in the metropole. As Sue Peabody has shown, Blacks were often depicted as symbols for political and social positioning for white Frenchmen. Portrayals of the Black female body allowed white French women to discuss issues of race and gender, while white French men could use the Black female body to discuss white women, Black women, and Black men, thus layering many social and political tensions onto one body. There is much more in this article entitled Introduction Black Women in the French Imaginary in Venus Noir, Black Women in Colonial Fantasies in 19th Century France. I will put that link below. And let's wrap up with some little known fun facts. A decision made in a big group is often much worse and prone to mob mentality than a decision made with just a few key people involved. We can simply look at some general elections for evidence of this. It's political bullshit. People who swear a lot, like myself, tend to be more loyal, upfront, and honest with friends. Your personality can have an effect on your quality of life. (laughs) Will I is a question that can motivate you a lot more than the statement, I will. This one is not too shocking. Individuals with a lower self-esteem will often humiliate others. It's a way to try to boost their own self-esteem and build their own confidence. A personality study shows. A fascinating study from the 80s revealed something about how people have shared notions when it comes to imagination. Several people were asked to draw an ordinary object like a coffee cup. Almost all of them attracted... The cup from attracted, oh, I get it. Attracted the cup from a particular angle and perspective slightly above looking down upon it. This became known as the canical perspective. Most of us seem to see everyday objects in our imagination in the same way. For you and me, Mimi, an only child often competes with his or her father being. Overly pampered by their parents, the family's single child expects pampering and protection from everyone around codependency, the self-centeredness of the leading. So basically, I'm not out of my mind when I be looking at my daughter like, um, you too much. You have so much expectation of what you think you are meant to have in this world, dear. And i it's my job, my duty to knock you back down to reality. A common occurrence among human beings is cognitive dissonance. This happens when people have two contradicting values and modify one to align with the other. It's a statement we heard a lot in Westworld, but it actually applies to all of us. of dreams, it turns out, are negative. Research has found that most dreams include negative emotions. 50% of all dreams are normally involving some of these negative emotions. In a study that was conducted, the common emotions that people experience during their dreams were sadness, anger, fear, and anxiety. Men and women dream differently. When women dream, they are normally and almost equal amount of both there are normally an equal amount of both men and women that are involved in their dreams however for men around 70% of the people in their dreams are other men (laughs) I don't know why I find that funny but it is as well as this men have been known to have more aggressive dreams than women too women also tend to have slightly longer dreams According to the study, people were just as good at pretending or predicting someone else's personality. Oh, did you know that someone can smell your t-shirt and it can give them an idea of your personality? According to the study, people were just as good at predicting someone's personality by smelling their clothes as they were by watching a video of them. However, not all personality traits were obvious. The researchers discovered that people were adept at identifying three particular traits. Extroversion, neuroticism, neuroticism, and dominance are all the traits that could be picked up via smell. Humans tend to care more about one person than about mass tragedies. Which is why we should not keep playing those shootings. (laughs) because it's not going to have the reaction you think it is other than to fuck up the people who watch it on loop my mama called me today talking about did you see that no I did not I did not well you need to go watch it why 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 do I need to see it to believe it I don't need to see it to believe it I don't you're you're telling me it's something that that happens every day to a lot of people that don't make it to to Fox News okay get out of here Traveling can significantly lower an individual's potential to fall prey to depression and heart disease. So get the fuck out there and live your life. Babies consolidate memories and newly learned skills while they sleep, which is why napping is so important, especially in the first year of their life. Don't be trying to keep them up all day talking about they'll sleep in. No, no, no. It's about you, not them. Or it's about them, not you. (laughs) And lastly, when looking at something cute like a baby or an animal, we are often overwhelmed by a torrent of positive emotions. The aggression comes up to balance the high from the emotions we experience. The aggressive tendency, however, is minimum and often not acted upon. Unless you're watching what one may consider animal molestation which some will tell you does not exist (laughs) to which I will respond Tell that to the fucking female being molested (laughs) happens in more frequently in nature and they're like it's just nature that'll mean that the feelings the human emotions I'm supposed to react to at seeing that is not normal it's normal (laughs) you with your crazy ass talking about I'm un, I'm unmoved is the is the the response that isn't. Just just so you know that. That is gonna wrap up our podcast for this week. If you have any lingering thoughts or ideas about discussion topics or anything you want to hear discussed on this podcast, please reach out to me at bucketcouch at gmail.com or can leave that comment below. My social media will be there as well. Wherever you listen to your podcast, do me a favor, write a review, drop some stars. It really does help. Until the next time. Peace, hair grease, of like our magic. Every day I'm, every day I'm